Today on CityCast Chicago, Timuel Black was one of Chicago's greatest historians, educators, and civil rights organizers. The author and World War II veteran was considered a griot of black stories, and his legacy touched many, including Chicago's first black mayor, Harold Washington, and the nation's first black president, Barack Obama. I sit down with author and WBEZ reporter Natalie Moore to remember Timuel Black, who passed away yesterday at the age of 102. It's Thursday, October 14th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. What I promised myself that I would try to do, particularly after World War II, I've done the best that I could to fulfill that demand, that feeling, to try and make this world a better place to live, but starting at home. That's Timuel Black talking to the University of Chicago in 2014. I mean, he was a keeper of so much knowledge, but especially at a great migration in Chicago's black history. He wrote oral histories on the subject and continued telling stories even after his 100th birthday. There are a bunch of collections dedicated to him. I mean, if you watch recent videos, my man was still sharp as hell giving out history lessons. Natalie Moore, I know that you had a personal relationship with the icon, so I had to talk to you. Welcome back to CityCast Chicago. Thanks. Um, you know, it's an honor to talk about him because there are so many people who could talk about him. He made everyone feel like really special. <laughs> like I mean, he had so many honorary grandchildren. And yeah, I'm I'm just honored <laughs> that he even said that about me. You know, for my listeners who aren't familiar with his own story, uh, can you tell me a little bit more about how he ended up in Chicago? Like me, like you, he's a, a child of the Great Migration, like so many of us Black folks up here in the Shire. Yeah, I, I love the story that he would tell about how he came to Chicago. He was born in 1918, born in Alabama. And um, the way the story goes is that he was born, looked around and said, shit, I got to get out of here. You got to get up out of here. And his mother said, well, this boy can't change his own diaper, so we better go with him. And the shit, I got to get out of here was Jim Crow South that he was uh-huh. looking at. But then he comes to the Jim Crow North. Yeah. They arrive in 1919. Shortly after the race riots here, and they are confined to the Black Belt. Yeah, and what's amazing is just how many, you know, writing to Dr. King to say, it's really racist here. You should really think coming here in the 1960s to his papers on the Vivian Harsh collection at Carter Chu Woodson Chicago Public Library. Well, he knew Vivian Harsh. She was the first Black librarian in Chicago. Uh-huh. He knew the Hansberries. I think he, Maybe Lorraine Hansberry's family. He was classmates with the the founder of Ebony and Jet. Yeah. And he would talk about how angry he he was after World War II. And, you know, there was the double victory campaign, victory abroad, victory at home. So here you are fighting Nazis and you come back to segregation. And that motivated him to fight for union jobs. He fought for desegregating housing for desegregating schools. Yeah, so he just touched touched so much of the 20th century. Yeah, he was seminal in the election of Harold Washington all the way up to Barack Obama is just by being present and, and and being involved in his community. He touched so much of black life. You know, he would say things like, I'm not a scholar, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I just had lived experience. I, I'm just somebody who lived a lot. 
But like you said, so much of his work was informing scholarship, his activism, his his work as a historian. Those things went hand in hand. You know, just how important was it that he, you know, had all of these different hats that he wore from educator to historian? It made him this really unique figure um, to Chicago, to Black Chicago, I think to this country. And he was also so generous with his time to other scholars, to young people, to activists. He would sit in a classroom with elementary school students, as well as, you know, graduate students. It it didn't matter. You know, and he was, he remained relevant. No one ever felt like here comes that old guy who's out of touch and who's living in the past in a, in a negative way. Um, he kept up with what was happening and was generous and, you know, a, a griot. Yeah, your your work has focused on the evolution of Black life in Chicago. And so Timuel was one of those people you had to talk to, one of those people whose work you had to look at in order to be, get a better understanding. What was it like to to build that relationship with him? And what role did he play for journalists like you? There's so much that we weren't taught about segregation, the history of our city. And I, I knew that my neighborhood was all Black that I grew up in, Chatham and lots of neighborhoods like it. And I knew there was something called white flight, but I didn't really understand the forces. So as I reflect back, I feel like he's the starting point for me to start reading more and digging more to be a reporter in this city, that you have to understand the context. Um, I first heard him talk about the term Negro removal when he was talking about how, you know, Bronzeville and how Lake Meadows got built. And the term plantation politics <laughs> goes back to him. What are some of those memories you wrote about, you know, getting breakfast with him? What are some of those memories that you just, you hold on to on days like this? I think about what he said one time we were at Pearl's Place on 39th having breakfast. And it was after Obama was elected the first time and trying to make sense of how we have this first Black president. And he said, of course, it came from the South side of Chicago. There's no other place that the first black president would come from. And he said, Harlem is the cultural capital of black America, but Chicago is the political and economic capital. And that just crystallized for me. Oh yes, this place is important. Not just because I think it's a dope city, but how does Chicago situate itself within black America? And that, that's an interview I remember in, in, in particular, like, yeah, yeah, okay, I can't wait to flex that <laughs> on, on people. And he really could move in any circle from knowing Lorraine Hansberry to going to school in Nat King Cole to teaching Jeff Ford. Over the last couple of weeks, there had been, we had been told that he had gone into hospice care and so many people came out to donate, to share his story. You know, what do you think that said about the legacy that he was leaving behind? how many people he touched. And, you know, I encourage people to, you know, look at that GoFundMe site and look at the names of people, look at the amounts, you know, someone giving $1,000, someone giving $5, you know, elected officials, scholars, all sorts of people. And I, I really believe that he got his flowers 
while he was living. I mean, who gets to have a two-day birthday party at 101 and be alert and know what is happening? So I, I, people told him how much he meant to them. He was the kind of source that was a historian, but it was also a lived experience. And I think what's difficult about his death, even though we, we knew it was coming, it was going to be 103, that, you know, he didn't have any contemporaries anymore. His, you know, peers, like this is the end of an era in in many ways, um, or that maybe to be more optimistic, a, a passing of the torch. As journalists, as historians, as, as lovers of Chicago, as storytellers, how do we pick up the torch and keep running with it, Natalie? There are lots of people today through a wide age range who do the kind of work that he does. I mean, I think that he was unique because he lived on all of these, these things, but making sure that we always go deep and, and to talk to our elders. You know, there, there are people in our, our families um, or in our orbit who we should talk to and honor and value those experiences as they age. Yeah. Natalie Moore is an author, a reporter with WBEZ, an honorary granddaughter of the late historian Timuel Black. CityCast Chicago sends our condolences to his family, especially his wife, Zenobia Johnson Black, who he was married to for the last 40 years. Natalie, thank you for making time to talk with us on CityCast today. Thank you, Jacoby. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. The Chicago Park District has named Rosa Escareño as its interim leader. She recently retired from the Chicago Business Affairs Commission. This comes after former Park CEO Mike Kelly resigned over the weekend amid ongoing investigations into allegations of sexual abuse and harassment at Chicago's parks and beaches. Electric scooters could be returning to Chicago as soon as this spring. The city council is set to vote today on whether to allow up to 6,000 scooters back on the road. I don't know about you, but I love those little things. Bridgeport's Remova Theater is officially under renovation after being vacant for 30 years. Neighbors hope the 1800-seat venue will be ready late next year to host live shows and dining. And some good news to get you through. This Saturday is your last chance to see the Chicago Red Stars play at home. The professional women's soccer team is hosting a fan appreciation night at SeatGeek Stadium in Bridgeview, including games, prizes, and even a team garage sale. Yeah, we showing love to all Chicago sports teams. For more Chicago stories and events, check out our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. If you've listened to more than one episode and you ain't signed up, what you doing? Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. In the atmosphere. Here we go, Natalie. We're going to knock this out. I talked to multiple Natalies today.